You know, you probably picked up this morning uh, in our worship time, we had a nice mixture of, of traditional Christmas songs, but the rest of the songs were all celebrating the fact that Jesus is champion, Jesus is the king, Jesus is the savior, Jesus is the overcomer, Jesus is the one who wins the victory, uh, Jesus is our, our defender. You got all those, it was kind of a warf- warfare song this morning. Did you all pick up on that? Because Christmas is the ultimate spiritual battle that's taking place. And I think it's good sometimes to wipe away a little bit of the Hallmark Christmas from Christmas um, because Christmas is actually quite gritty and it's quite gruesome and it's painful and it's ugly in some ways and it's, uh, and it's dirty because Jesus came right into the mess that we live in and he identified with us. And I want to talk about that this morning as we wrap up the series on Overcomer. My heart in this series has been to magnify the greatness of Jesus and the victory that he's won. But here's the critical point. I mean, you know, the Lord's looking for somebody to partner with, and that's the church. Uh, the victory has been won, but Jesus has given us a mission. And if we don't partner with him and we don't know who we are and we don't know the authority that we have, uh, then we're going to fail on the mission. Now, let me just assure you, Jesus' mission will never fail. It's unstoppable. But how many of you know we do have a choice whether or not we're going to participate in that mission or not? And I want to encourage you, let's be all in this year. Amen? Let's partner with the Lord. Let's make sure that we're enforcing the victory that he's already won for us on the cross. And I want to go back to a verse that's probably not a, a Christmas verse, traditional. I'll get to some traditional verses. But let's go back to where we've been in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says, they have defeated him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. I shared with you a couple weeks ago about the blood of the Lamb. Matthew chapter 1 says this about Jesus. Uh, It says, Mary's going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. How many of you know if Christ had not come and he had not been the Savior and had not gone to the cross and shed his blood and died for us, we would have no forgiveness of sins. And so Christmas marks the beginning of that mission of Jesus Christ to the cross. Aren't you grateful Jesus came so that Jesus could die for us and, uh, and pay for our sins with his blood? The Bible also says one of our weapons is the, te- the power of our testimony. And again, I go to John chapter 1, verse 4. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. This is talking about Jesus being the Word incarnate. And when we speak the Word of the Lord, when we declare what Christ has done, when we declare who Jesus is, and we sing that in our songs this morning, when we declare that with our mouths, there's something powerful that is released, all right? And I want to encourage all of you, especially the men, to step it up this year, Uh, And let's be the spiritual leaders of our home. Let's pray over our wives. Let's pray over our children. Let's pray over our nation. Let's declare the victory of Jesus Christ. And again, where did all that victory start? It started at the incarnation. It started when Jesus came on assignment. But I want to go to the last part of this first because we haven't touched on this yet. And I want to put this in the context of this wonderful Christmas celebration. It says that the third weapon is not only the blood, not only our testimony, Uh, But it says they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. This talks about our willingness to give ourselves fully to Jesus Christ. And so let's talk about Jesus Christ giving himself fully to us. Because how many of you know I share with you, good leadership means you do it first. 
You paved the way. You set the example. Amen? And Jesus did that for us. When we talk about the power of the blood, he literally gave his blood for us. When we talk about the power of our testimony, he is the word of God. He is the prophetic word of God. He is the word of God in his fullness. And when we talk about willing to lay your life down, even unto death, Jesus modeled that for us, obviously, on the cross. So let's talk a little bit about the incarnation today. The incarnation is when God sets this grand plan for redemption in motion He literally invades planet Earth, establishing his reign through Christ's earthly ministry. And then Christ leaves behind the occupying force, that's the church, which is to carry on the work of redemption until his return and until the kingdom's final triumph. So we're celebrating today the first advent, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. But I mean, you know, you can't celebrate the first advent without having the second advent in full sight. We're living in the, the already but the not yet. Christ has already come. But the kingdom has not come in its fullness. And so we look back this morning to the birth. We look back to the incarnation, the incredible truth that God Almighty took on human flesh. But why did he take on human flesh? He took on human flesh because he is coming on a mission. He's coming on a battle Uh, He's coming for war. He's coming as a warrior king. And the Bible talks about this. Take a look, Isaiah chapter 9. This is a great passage we like to refer to on Christmas. It says uh, in Isaiah 9, 6, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, speaking of his wisdom. He is the mighty God which magnifies his incredible strength. He's the everlasting Father, which reminds us of his ongoing protection and care for us. And he's the Prince of Peace, which speaks about the perfection of our relationship with him. Good relationships bring peace, amen? Uh, And healthy relationships, if your church is healthy, it's going to be a peaceful place to go. If your home is healthy, it's going to be a peaceful place. Guess what? Jesus brings divine order in every dimension of life, and he brings peace. How about Luke chapter 1, verse 33, 31 through 33? This is the uh, angel Gabriel saying, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. And here's what he is going to be. He's going to be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Listen to the language here. Very great, Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne. So he's going to inherit a kingdom. He's going to inherit a throne. He's going to move with authority and power. He's going to be of the ancestry of David. And he's going to reign over Israel forever. And listen to this. His kingdom will never end. Amen on that. So today we're celebrating the fact if you're born again and if, you're, if you bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, you're part of a kingdom that is going on forever where Jesus Christ is reigning as king. And how many of you know he is putting every enemy under his feet? Of course, the last enemy to be defeated and destroyed is death itself. Uh, And then we're going to live forever and ever and ever with King Jesus. And we already saw his characteristics. He is going to be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His kingdom will reign without end. Anybody excited about being part of that kingdom this morning? So... uh, that's what gives us hope, and that's what fills us with promise, and that's what, that's what helps us persevere in difficult times is knowing that because of what Jesus did on the first advent, the second advent is sure he's coming, uh, and we're going to see his, uh, the establishment of his throne and his kingdom. But let's talk about this for a minute, because this is where it gets to be really amazing when we talk about the incarnation. What is the sign? 
How do we know that Jesus is the one? What is the sign we should be looking for? The angel of the Lord appeared uh, in Luke chapter 2 and spoke these words. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. You know, I got off of an airplane one time in Pakistan uh, and met a man I had never met before. And uh, I was just, I, well, I met him online and we talked and all that, so it wasn't like I met a total stranger. But um, it sounds like a strange story, isn't it? Getting off an airplane in Pakistan and meeting a stranger. Uh, but I told him when I got there, or before I got there, I said, look, I don't have an agenda. We just want to get to know you and get to know what you're doing. I've, I followed you online and appreciate your heart. And we had met him one time in the States. And I said, you don't, I don't need to do anything. I just want to be with you. I just want to build a relationship with you. I got off the airplane, and he informed me that we were going to a crusade, and I found myself speaking. I was the crusade speaker. How would you like it? <laughs> All right. I was standing before an audience that was the biggest audience I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, you know, that's when your prayer life really starts to pick up. <laughs> I said, Lord, I wasn't anticipating this, but you knew about it. So I said, what do you want me to talk about? And you know what I talked about? This phrase popped into my mind. Jesus Christ is good news, great joy for everybody. And and we just preached the kingdom and preached about salvation and preached about the the incredible joy that he brings. In fact, my heart's heart's getting warmed up right now back to when we were having our praise night because on the praise night is when I was so wrecked and the, I felt like the Lord just said, why don't you just really enjoy me on Christmas morning and just spend extra time adoring me and loving me and let me know how much you love me. How I many you know that's a good thing to do? Aren't you grateful for the joy in our hearts on this morning and on every morning, even in the midst of the challenges? And aren't you grateful that the good news of Jesus is so great news that it covers everybody? It's good news for everybody. There's good news, but good news for everybody is in a whole other category, and that's the category that Jesus is in. He says the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Listen to those titles for Jesus, Savior, Messiah, Lord of all nations and all people. And and we simply ask the question, where do we find him? How how do we know? What's going to be the sign of this great king who brings good news of great joy to all people? I mean, are you understanding the greatness of this man, Christ Jesus? And then look at what it says in the next verse. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly strips of cloth lying in a manger. Are you kidding me? This king that we proclaim, who is great beyond the, 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 uh, the language that we can use to describe him, the great I am, the savior of the world, the eternal God, uh, the word made flesh, second member of the Godhead. I mean, we're, we're talking about King Jesus, and the, and the angel says, this is how you're going to recognize him. He's coming as a baby. That's not usually how we would expect a warrior king to arrive. And you're going to find him in a feeding trough. I mean, I just like to let the weight of all this kind of hit us. Your king is coming as a baby, and you're going to find him in a feeding trough. And the eternal one, the king of glory, is going to become a human being. And not just a human. He could have come as a grown human, a a buff human, a workout human with giant muscles. But he's coming as a baby human. 
The eternal one is literally stepping into time as a tiny, helpless infant, and this is not what we are expecting at all. The infinite became an infant. How's that? The infinite one became an infant. The omnipotent, all-powerful, mighty God became a fragile, dependent little baby. And I love the way the Message Bible says it. Uh, the message translation, it says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> and we saw the glory with our own eyes. The king of glory took on our flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that phrase. He came into the hood and hung out with us, all right? <laughs> you know, when we sang that song on uh, Friday night, Mary, did you know, and, and uh, there's a phrase in there that talks about, Mary, did you know that the baby that you're holding, when you kiss that baby, you are kissing the face of God. Uh, in Jesus, we get to see what God's like in flesh and blood. And these are things that are so hard for us to even get our brains around. How, how can omnipotence, an infinite God, all-powerful God, all-knowing God, limit himself and take on human flesh and become one of us and move into our neighborhood? I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, he that made man was made man. I'm going to say that one again. He that made man was made man. Uh, all of these amazing, incredible truths that we try to get our brains around. Matthew says this, watch for this, a virgin will get pregnant and bear a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which in Hebrew means God is with us. So Jesus enters the world not like a human, but as a human. He literally, God becomes flesh, God has a face. And I want to highlight this incredible weapon, which is really encapsulated in this last part of, uh, of Revelation 12. It's the weapon called humility. Zechariah prophesies this about Jesus. He says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, and yet he's humble, and he's riding on a donkey. The Son of Man uh, I'm sorry, the Son of God becomes the Son of Man, and what is stunning is the sheer magnitude of the humility of Jesus, and I want to look upon the beauty of Christ's humility this morning. He is the preeminent one. He's the darling of heaven. He's the one worshipped and adored by the angelic throng. He's the one who made everything, and yet he made himself nothing. The Bible says he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Matthew tells us, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. God enters this world like the rest of us, spending nine months as a baby developing in Mary's womb, making his way through the birth canal, only to make his kingly entrance amid the stench of manure and cobwebs and the prickly hay that's found in a stable. And the marvel of it all is that he did it for you and for me. It was an expression of the depth of his love for you that the word entered the depths of human ugliness and weakness and humiliation and brokenness and all the darkness of this life. When you think about the humiliation of Jesus Christ, uh, the way that he enters, how he lived his life, the mess that he, that he came into, imagine Mary, sometimes we think of poor Mary uh, and all that she went through riding on uh, uh, the donkey all the way to Bethlehem when she's ready to deliver him about 60 or 70 miles worth of a ride. No room in the end. She ends up in a stable that smells like horse manure. 
with no crib to place Jesus, so he ends up in a manger. The first visitors of Jesus are a bunch of shepherds who probably smelled like shepherds. Um, and, uh, and this was the greeting party. Uh, and, uh, and this is how the king of glory begins his mission for us. He comes in incredible humility. And even when I say humility, it's hard for us to even get our brain around that kind of humility. Uh, I came across a great quote that says this, Christ uncrowned himself to crown us and put off his robes to put on our rags. And he came down from heaven to keep us out of hell. And he fasted 40 days that we might feast for all eternity. And he came from heaven that he might send us from earth to heaven. That's the beautiful humility of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. The Son of God became the Son of Man in order that the sons of men might become the sons of God. And I love the way John Eldridge sums it all up. The invasion worked, he says. The incarnation worked. The entire plan worked. Jesus came. He overthrew the kingdom of darkness. He rescued you from sin and evil and from this mad world. And he has restored you to your Father. He is healing your humanity. Your future is utterly secure now. And it's breathtaking. Isn't that awesome? And I guess the, my heart for this morning, as we majored on Jesus and on an overcomer, is I've been trying to encourage us as we're moving into this year to use the weapons that God has given us, uh, the weapon of the blood and remembering that Christ was born to die. Aren't you grateful that here at Christmas we look at the babe in the manger and we celebrate the Christ child, but right from the beginning the plan was to die. And um, so when you're gathered around with loved ones and people that uh, are part of your family, it's great to remember that God gave his son for us. And Christmas reminds us that sin is a terrible, terrible uh, thing and that the great cost to pay for sin is the cost of God's own son, Jesus Christ. And so what do we do with our mouths? We declare the blood of Jesus. We declare our freedom from sin. We declare the victory of the cross. We thank God for loving us so much that he sent his son. And we speak the word of the Lord. We declare the victory that Christ has secured for us. Aren't you grateful that the, uh, the mission was accomplished by Jesus? Uh, he never sinned. He never fell short. He always loved his father. He lived in perfect humility and submission to God. And that took him all the way to the cross. And, of course, the cross was what secured our victory. And the cross is what defeated everything that Satan has to throw against us. But I want to emphasize the last part today as we are getting ready to move into a new year. Uh, we don't love our lives so much that we're afraid to die. You know, most people, um, we talk about, man, would I really give my life for Christ if I had to confess you know, Christ or, or die? Would I really choose to obey the Lord? Uh, we don't really need to think about that. How many of you know what you really need to think about is just living every day and dying to yourself and loving other people and loving your wife and putting Christ first in your life and moving in a spirit of humility? Uh, humility is a powerful, powerful weapon. I think part of the reason why the devil was so shocked is because the king of glory that was anticipated and prophesied did not come in heavenly splendor and did not come with all the glory that we would think would be attendant to a king. He tricked him. He came in the most humble, 
unassuming way. In fact, most of the world completely missed Jesus the first time that he came. Uh, he came low. And how many of you know he's been exalted to the highest place, but the reason he's exalted to the highest place is because he was willing to take the lowest route imaginable. And so, I don't know about you, but I, when, I, when we sing the song this morning about the goodness of God, it touches my heart. Um, when we think about the humility and the brokenness, and I'll tell you what else touches my heart, is that Jesus is going to wear our humanity forever. I can't imagine what it would be like to be infinite, omnipotent, all-knowing, and without any limitations whatsoever, and to take on human flesh, and then to wear human flesh forever, and to wear the marks of his suffering forever, so that we would have a face to gaze upon when we talk about gazing upon the face of God. Heaven will not be a place where we're looking around to find God because Jesus Christ has took on human flesh, so he will have a glorified body just like already has a glorified body, but we'll get that glorified body and we'll be able to see him, to touch him, to hold him, to embrace him, to talk to him, to gaze into his, uh, his beauty and his splendor, and he'll be able to do the same to us. That's the humility that Jesus Christ walks in. And I don't know about you, but I just want to uh, experience a greater and greater degree of that personal humility working out in my life. As uh, we love people, as we carry out the assignment that the Lord's given us. Can you see that we sang about the lion and the lamb this morning? What a beautiful combination. The lion and the lamb, the meekness of the lamb, but the boldness and the strength of the lion. And, uh, and that's the beauty of Christ's church. You know, we come before the Lord in humility. We come before the Lord in brokenness. We come before the Lord weak, independent, which is how we come into this new year. We're kicking off week one. But how many of you know, we, we, in our mouths, we declare the blood of Jesus Christ. We declare the testimony of the, of the cross and of the word of God and of everything that Jesus stood for. And we do it in a spirit of humility and yet boldness. That's the beauty of Christ. Humble and bold, uh, submitted and yet strong and powerful. Uh, and that's the model that he sets for us. So the war has been won. And when we're talking about being overcomers, you can't be an overcomer unless you go back to the very first initiation of the war, and that's God's secret weapon. His name is Jesus Christ. So at Christmas time, that's what we celebrate. We celebrate the secret weapon. We celebrate the beauty of the man Christ Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord. I want you to stand to your feet with me this morning, and I want to pray. Father, thank you for our church family, and I thank you for extended family that are here worshiping with us this morning. We just thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we're the army that you've raised up and you've left behind on planet Earth to, uh, to finish the task. And so, Lord, uh, thank you for stepping into our pain, our brokenness, the darkness of planet Earth prior to your coming. Thank you, Lord, for taking on human weakness, being like us in every way yet without sin. Thank you that you followed your heavenly Father and submitted to him all the way to the cross and we thank you, Lord, that you won the battle of everything that stands against us at the cross.
So Jesus, on this eve of Christmas, we just bring you our hearts. We submit to you. We honor you as our king. We bow before you. We bow our hearts before you. And we, we welcome you into our hearts. We say, come, Lord Jesus, rule and reign inside of us. And I just want to say there might be some here this morning. Uh, you've never personally embraced the cross or implied, applied Christmas and what Jesus did for you and made it personal. Christmas is God's gift of salvation to you through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's so simple, but you've got to embrace the gift and unwrap the gift, and you've got to make it personal. So there might be some people here today that you've never done that, and I just encourage you to ask Christ into your heart right now and to ask him to forgive you of your sins and ask him to be your Lord and your King. It's so simple, and he wants to do that for you this morning. For the rest of us, Lord, we just commit ourselves at the end of this year, as we're moving into a new year, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your goodness and kindness to us. Lord, you've been so amazing. Thank you for all your blessings this past year. Thank you for the way you've cared for us, and thank you for the hope that we have in the midst of ongoing struggles. I just continue to pray, Lord, breakthrough for those who are under it this holiday season. I know some of you have lost loved ones. This is the first Christmas without people in your life that you love very, very much, and we just pray that the grace of the Lord would be upon you, that his mercy would comfort you and, and uphold you and fill you with hope. And Father, as we look to the new year, God, our hearts are full of hope. We're excited about what lies ahead. We're excited about what's in store, Lord. We're excited about the fruit. We're excited about people that are going to come to know you. We're excited about just the ongoing movement of your kingdom on planet Earth. So Lord, we declare today we're overcomers by the blood, by the word of our testimony, and by the humility in our hearts that we would choose to lay our lives down for you, whatever it is that you're asking us to do. Father, continue to unite our hearts as a church family, and Lord, may our combined efforts as we pursue you, may, may you use us mightily, not only here in our neighborhood, but Lord, across the globe and all the nations we have the privilege of partnering with. So Father, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We love you, Jesus. We honor you. We celebrate you on this Christmas. It's in your mighty name that we pray, and everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, from our hearts to your hearts, Merry Christmas. We love you guys very much. Have an incredible weekend. If you need prayer, come on down. We'd love to pray with you.